Techland's Dying Light was a surprise critical and commercial success, which meant that a bigger and bolder sequel was an inevitability. But a string of delays, including an indefinite one in 2020, made it seem like the game was fading away. Now, seven years later, Dying Light 2 has finally arrived. Maybe even sooner than it should have. The sequel managed to expand upon just about every feature from its predecessor, but did it expand upon being a good video game? Welcome to the Totally Biased Media Podcast, a show where we aren't afraid to call them zombies. I'm your host, Jordan Walkup, and I'm joined by my brothers, Jason Simmons, and I'm Jackson Walkup. Now let's get into it. This is a game that was on my radar for a very long time, and then it wasn't on my radar at all, and then it was back on my radar again. <laughs> what is y'all's experience with the first game before we start talking about this new one, like, at all? I probably played the first hour three or four times. <laughs> nice. My experience <laughs> is seeing probably Jason or someone play it when it came out, and I was I was like 12 or so, so, you know wasn't my thing i was a little scared of it and then i got it on sale around christmas sale time on the psn store i played the first 30 minutes and never touched it again until i deleted it when dying light 2 came out i actually really really liked the first game which was kind of surprising because i don't care for zombie anything that's not my type of game and there was a lot of systems that i just didn't really care about but something about like the world and the characters and the way it all kind of flowed together actually like really stuck with me, and I was I was really impressed with it. Um, I beat the game, did most of the side content. I did not come back for any of the DLC that came post-launch, which I hear is sort of a, a loss because I know that there was a pretty big expansion a couple years later that that added a whole lot of content, and then there have been several more since, including one last year for a game that came out in 2015. But I really, really liked the base experience of the game, which is why I was, you know, at least at least I kept Dying Light 2 on my radar, you know, most of the time, even though the news cycle wasn't the best for it sometimes. I've always really lifted up Dying Light 1 as being, like, the good zombie game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I, the only one yeah. for like 10 years straight. I, my main point with it is just like, if you don't like zombie games, you'll probably still like Dying Light 1. It doesn't necessarily feel like a zombie game most of the time. So like take Resident Evil, for example, a series that I loathed until very recently and I've really done a 180 on. Those games, they want you right in the zombie's face from the minute you start. Like you definitely got to be careful at first. But you're building up to being this just unstoppable armada, and you're just dropping zombies left and right. And Dying Light, even once you're really far in the game and have a lot of guns and a lot of skills to you know, help you out, you're still really vulnerable, which always made the game more about movement than about combat, which I think was a really, really smart move because so much other zombie stuff is just mowing down armies of zombies, and that's just... I don't know. That's not for me. There's definitely a big focus, especially in the first game at night, 
the zombies just all go completely insane. And they'll start, like, chasing you through the cities. And if you're basically not on the rooftops, you're going to get mauled. The first game really, really advised you not to go out at night unless you absolutely had to. And this new game wants you out at night pretty much as often as during the day, which was really jarring at first. I did not, I did not acclimate to that well. Like, I kept, I kept seeing stuff that you had to do at night and thinking, like, I'm n- there's no way I'm prepared for this. Wasn't the first game's tagline straight up like "good night and good luck"? Yes, which I have used a lot in other contexts ever since. <laughs> <laughs> they really didn't want you going out at night unless you were going after something really specific, and they really wanted you to like make a beeline there and back. <laughs> and yeah. Dying Light Two wants you out slashing zombies all night. <laughs> this game definitely turned down the zombies at night, which I think was a big loss for it. Because, you know, even from the very beginning of the game, it feels like you're going to be safe if you're out running around on the streets. And in the first game, like, you had to earn that. Like, that was something you worked towards. (laughs) You didn't want to be out at night, like you said, unless absolutely mandatory because you were going to get killed. I think you also had a lot less health in the first game. This game, your character just kind of feels like a superhero. A lot more than the first one. I mean, like, you get a lot of health, you have a lot of stamina. It also sucks because there is a whole lot of night content. Like, there are small little, like, stores that have a bunch of loot and some bosses and just stuff like that. Um, The problem with it is all of that stuff sucks. It's also too easy. <laughs> yeah. Easy and not rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I guess before we get too far into what we like and dislike and all that, Jackson, since you're sort of the, the new guy here... Why don't you set us up with, like, what Dying Light is? Or Dying Light 2 specifically. Sorry. Dying Light 2 colon stay human is. (laughs) Dying Light 2. They have moved on from whoever the first game's protagonist is. Don't know his name. Uh, I guess he's he's dead now or something. It's been, like, 20 years in a zombie-infested world. Now you play as Aiden, (laughs) last name, unknown, at least to me. It might be in the game, and I just don't know it. Who is a pilgrim? Which again, I'm not really sure what that is. I think it's just people from outside it's not the. From the first game. Well, I, I think it is that just people from outside the walls. Yeah, basically just anybody that doesn't live in a settlement is a pilgrim. Yeah, I, I think they're they're basically like couriers. That makes sense. That was my guess. But Aiden, he, he you know he lives outside the walls, and he's trying to get into the walls of the city of Villador to find his long lost sister who got separated from him when they were real young. Big, bad, mean dude, Waltz, was doing experiments on them as children. Now he's back in Villador where it started. I think where it started or where she is. One of the two. So you go in the city, you find a bunch of different factions to help around that are going to try and get you where you're going or that you're going to try to use to get where you're going. By a bunch of factions, you mean two? (laughs) Two. Two factions. It's so great only having two options, isn't it? In this game, it's all about how the humans are the real villains. Uh, they still wanted everything to be very black and white. Even if, you, uh, <laughs> even if you're making decisions, everything is still very black and white. Yeah, even the two factions you can choose between, it's clear one of them just sucks. The Peacekeepers is one of the factions. They're just fascists. Yeah. I'm not going to side with them. Do you want to help the people that are just trying to get by... 
or do you want to help their militarized police overlord? Yeah. It's a it's a little more gray than that, I guess, but that's not saying much. So It seems like it would have been a lot easier to actually show the peacekeepers protecting people where like you still have to yeah. think to yourself like, well, is it better to be under the peacekeepers who, you know, are enforcing martial law more or less or is it better to be free but in in, in danger? But no matter which factions in control, like it's not like the streets are better policed in the peacekeeper area. Yeah. <laughs> There's still just yeah. as many zombies and just as many renegades. Yeah. Everyone you meet from the peacekeepers is also just rude for no reason. And uh, another thing that is really sucky about the faction system is there are regions in the map because of course it is, this is an open world game. Um, where you can assign a different faction to it by completing certain activities. And it sucks because the, um, I don't know what they're exactly called. They all, all the, like, the good people, they live in the bazaar, and they're called the Bazarians. Um, they might also just be called the Survivors. Real, real normal, uh, totally original names. Uh, Linings sections of a city to them unlocks more parkour options like zip lines and more um air vents for your paraglider and assign it to the peacekeepers you get traps and stuff but like the parkour stuff is significantly better so i don't know why i'd ever choose the peacekeepers i think that's actually a really good way to to sort of segue into the fact that this game is sort of in two parts and it's an open world game with a ton of activities, but they all support generally one to one of two things or a combination of both. The game is 50% parkour, 50% melee combat. And everything you do in the game is one of those two things almost exclusively. Everything you're out doing is either parkour or hitting things with sticks. Let's sort of take a look at, at those as separate parts of the game because I think one of them is very, very cool. And one of them is very, very not. Uh, I don't think we have to play coy with it. The combat in this <laughs> game is very dry and boring. Yeah, it's it's yeah. tedious at best and just straight up grading at worst. <laughs> there are certain items that you can find around the map. And once you collect three of them, you can either use them to increase your health and unlock more things in the combat skill tree, or you can increase your stamina and unlock more things in your parkour skill tree. The big overlying issue here is that when you upgrade stamina, that makes you better at parkour because you can climb around and you get new abilities and you can do everything for longer without getting tired, but it also makes you better at combat. Meanwhile, when you upgrade your health, you can get more stuff in the combat skill tree, but you only need to upgrade it like four or five times before you can unlock everything. Uh, but the big thing there is just that Having more health doesn't matter very much because there are med there's medicine and stuff that you can use to craft medicine. And then at a certain point, you just find healing kits all over the place and they take not very much time to use. <laughs> the combat's really, it really just boils down to like three moves, a fourth move once you get far enough in the skill tree. It's literally just like attack, block, parry, and then eventually you get a kick thing. And like, that's it for pretty much the whole game. And it tries to layer in some interesting other stuff like throwable items and bows and just some stuff to sort of liven it up. But then all of that stuff is just way too weak or way too situational. So you're back to just hit the guy with the stick, 
And then if he tries to hit me with his stick, I parry it and hit him with the stick again. <laughs> like it's just that over and over and over again. And they only really try to add complexity to it by throwing in more guys. Like they don't really do anything to spice it up in what I've played. For some reason they decided that you can use a bow and arrow as your main weapon, but the damage scaling works exactly the same as melee weapons. Yeah, bows are garbage in this so, game. So like you can get an axe that does you know, 90 damage, or you can get a bow that does 90 damage, but the bow, one, needs ammo in order to be fired, and two, takes significantly longer to charge up if you want to get that full 90 damage. And you could just miss. <laughs> like I don't even think getting headshots does bonus damage. They do not. I was testing the bow out the first time I got it, and even with headshots, I think it took like seven or eight arrows to take down like the lowest health enemy around. But... The parkour is actually really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, yeah, I really like the parkour. If they had just doubled down on it and made combat just a if-all-else-fails type situation, I think they actually would have had something really great here. Yeah, I really wish they had given enemies less health and kind of incentivized you to find good vantage points and use throwables more. Really, like, lean into the parkour even during the combat, which they do not do. <laughs> These are two completely separate systems. And on top of that, if I were going to make that change, I would also give you, like, no health. Like, if you get, if you have, like, two or three zombies on you, you should be dead, period. <laughs> In this game, you could have, like, ten on you, and they're each doing, like, literally, like, three or four percent of your health per hit. Well, you know, it's a fighting yeah. game, well, or whatever you want to call it, an action game. So, of course, everyone has to wait their turn before they attack. Even the mindless zombies. My only issue with the parkour is that the starting stamina is way too low. The stamina is annoying at first. It's It sort of snowballs into you having like more than you could possibly need fairly quickly. But like at first, it definitely feels like the game is gating certain content just by being like, LOL, you're bad at climbing. And like <laughs> that's not necessary for a guy that we've already seen can jump like 30 feet. <laughs> and like can survive you know a just absolute barrage of melee attacks like this guy's tough he should be able to climb a ladder for more than like three seconds he can combat roll out of almost any fall i mean literally the only thing working against him is the fact that his name is aiden <laughs> i think that's it's still an upgrade from kyle yeah yeah. <laughs> Which like there's like it's nothing against the aiden's and the kyle's of the world it's just like that's not that's, those aren't like action hero names <laughs> like like i mean my name's jordan i can't say too much there really shouldn't be that many like action hero jordans but like i also haven't seen it to make fun of yet that kind of brings up something that i don't know why they went with this game that clearly takes place in like eastern europe and it's still just a white male protagonist Especially once you get to the second map and you start hanging out with Lawan, who's played by... Rosario Dawson. Once you get into the city, you run into her and she's way cooler and more interesting and has a very similar backstory. I think the game yeah. would have been a lot better if you just played as her, personally. Yeah. Also, the guy that voices Aiden, I mean, he does fine, but he, he sounds very generic. Everything about Aiden is meant to be empty vessel generic action hero for you to sort of inhabit but then it takes that away by him pretty much behaving the same regardless of what choices you make in the game there's also this really great moment uh, regarding text choices and stuff where Luan tells you like some very personal deep stuff and the response to progress is just okay yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. It's very good. You can say other really like significant things as optional dialogue, but the the only option that will end the conversation is for her to be like, okay. I suffered for my entire life. I fought through thousands of men and zombies to be here. And all you're allowed to say to move on is, okay. Hey, they would never say that. This game doesn't use the word zombie. <laughs> you have you have volatiles, runners, biters, and then there's like spitters. In in Walking Dead, one of the characters called the calls them uh geeks. Don't really know why. I don't think zombies is like copyrighted or anything. No one cares. I was actually just trying to Google that and I started with why don't movies say zombie? Um and it auto-completed to say, why don't movies say I love you? <laughs> and I think that there's a whole other conversation that needs to be had here with the, 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 film, the film fans of the internet. Wow, what an absolute moron. It's like they didn't even see Star Wars Episode Five. Yeah, that's the only time it's been said. Now, a lot about this game, and honestly, why I sort of... I, I was less interested in it as we got closer to the game was uh the marketing around it was weird it they were trying to highlight aspects of the game that were not good uh one of them famously they said that the game was 500 hours long <laughs> and uh it's not <laughs> like like by no metric is it 500 hours long they they <laughs> clarified that, that the story was just 20 hours but yeah. after playing this game, I there's no way. Maybe if you, I I don't think it's, you can get to that number without including like playing through the entire game again, but making a different choice in the beginning. Yeah. Well, see, it, it's twenty hours uh, first to beat the campaign, and then probably fifty to do all the content. Well, then you got to count whenever you play it again with your friends, uh, since it's got multiplayer that I used once. It's a fairly large map. But it's not that big. They also bragged about another metric that I honestly is kind of more infuriating than the 500 hours. They pointed out how the game has 350,000 written words in it. And like, why is that anything? <laughs> like, why did they even bother to count that? I mean, I guess they could have just looked at the bottom of a Word document <laughs> or something. But like, I feel like that actively takes away... Now, 40,000 lines of in-game dialogue, I kind of get. Like, that is a lot. And there is a lot. Like, to, like they tell you a lot in this game. But, like, the 350,000 written words is just, like, so dumb. Written words? <laughs> that would include, like, all of those audio logs and, and like, yes, notes that are laying around that no one's reading unless it has a uh, safe password on it. And Oh, and another important thing we haven't really touched on yet. The reason no one's reading those things because the story for this game is one of the most generic things I've ever witnessed. It's so cliched, especially... I, I think it does get a little bit better once you get to the second map. For sure. It's at least sure. more modern cliches, but... <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the introduction to the mission, you wander through, like, a mansion where a bunch of people are having an end-of-the-world party. It's just... <laughs> I found myself laughing because it's supposed to be like really depressing stuff. The thing that made me laugh the hardest was when I was walking through and there's somebody sitting at a bar and they have a letter in front of them that just says something along the lines of like, 
It's like, dear so-and-so, I love you. I'm sorry. And the the Y on sorry is trailing off because I guess they were dying or turning into a zombie or something. As as they were writing the final letter of their... Of the, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the game knew what it wanted to do in, in terms of like the overarching world and the tone, but they didn't know how to capture people living in this world at all. I don't know. Like every time you talk to someone, they fit into one of those just super stereotypical tropes that you see in like action movies or specifically like apocalypse you stuff. You know what? You can put every single character in the game to one of two tropes. They are hyper serious or completely insane. Yeah. There is that's it. There's not a middle ground. Those are the only two character tropes in the whole game. We've referenced the first and second maps a lot. So to sort of explain, the game sort of has three maps. Because the first couple of hours are in like a linear section that's off by itself outside of the city. Um, once you go into the city, you start in this village that's you know still like a pretty big area but it's not like it's one and two story houses it's very old world like it's nothing wild and then about roughly 50 percent of the way to the game you go to a much bigger map like the center of the city and you have like skyscrapers and much bigger buildings and much more active you know architecture and there's just a lot more going on and I think one of this game's biggest problems is that that second map opens up a lot and is a lot more interesting to explore, and it takes about 12 hours too long to get there. Yeah, and a big part of that is just that traversal, like the parkour, is definitely based around climbing those skyscrapers and paragliding around the city and doing stuff like that. You can't do that in the first map because the tallest buildings are, like, maybe four stories. I feel like the point of the first map... Well, it's for it to function sort of like a tutorial area, but then you're in it for, you know, 12 hours of the game before you get to the second map. And that's just not how tutorials work. Yeah, like this idea of there being a smaller separate map that's like a microcosm of the whole game, that's really smart. And games that do that well, those are like, those are like the best versions of tutorials. Like Breath of the Wild does that and it's great with the great plateau. You want to know a game that does it really well? What's that? Dying Light 1. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Where it starts you out in a smaller section closer to the outskirts of the city where there are yeah. skyscrapers, but there are also like just houses with like tin roofs. <laughs> I, I'll give the game this. I went back and watched gameplay from Dying Light 1, and I get it's a zombie game, but the world feels very empty in the first game. I really like that the second game actually feels like the cities have people living in them. Narrative reason for that difference is the fact that in the first game, they're like if you get infected, you're going to die. In the second game, they have treatments and basically everyone is infected. So in the second game, they've just kind of come to accept that like if a zombie bites me, it's no big deal. I'm already infected. But as long as I you know stay under UV light and take this medicine or whatever, then I'm safe. The first game they didn't have that. First game, if you got bit, you were dead. Yeah. I mean, you were the player. That wasn't the case. But like in the first game, if you got infected, you know you were thrown out and you would inevitably turn into a zombie. Like for a fact. There was a drug called Antizen that would prevent people from turning, but you had to take it regularly. 
and the only way that it was coming into the city was the government was doing airdrops of it. So, like, a main point of contention between the two factions is that the bad guys were just stealing all of it and not sharing any with the people in the tower, the good guys. That's not in this <laughs> at all. And I, I mean, I guess it's good that they didn't just retread the same ground. In this game, the bad guys are bad because they're bad. They're bad guys that are abusing people and making the best of, or they're making the, the bad situation worse. And then the good guys are the ones helping people and making the best of a bad situation. That's it, period. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like there was a lot of nuance that went away when they got rid of Antizen. Now, Jason, I guess this is a good segue for this. You're the only one of the three of us that actually finished the game. I mean, don't go spoilery, of course, but like, tell us a little bit about that. Kind of one thing I want to talk about that I feel like I need to to get into this is that originally when they were marketing the game, they made a big deal about the choice system. Um, And this is mostly with, with the older marketing, like when the game was first announced. But they made a big deal about how the choices you made in the game were going to have major lasting impacts on the story. And beyond that, like certain parts of the map and, you know, entire portions of the game, you know, you could assume (laughs) based off of, you know, the map being locked off would just be completely locked off if you made certain decisions. Like you'd pick to go through the left door or the right door and whichever one you didn't pick was going to be locked off to you forever, including all the content that was there. That's not in the game. And I I think that that's good because I think locking off parts of the map and the content that goes along with it is definitely just going to lead to a lot of wasted effort. That's how they get those 500 hours. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it would help get you up to 500 hours, (laughs) but it would be a lot of wasted effort because all of the content that was in an area that you locked off would just be wasted, (laughs) you know? I I don't think any game developer is ever going to make that kind of move for like a AAA game like this. To get into it, I think there are only maybe four or five decisions in this game that actually have like a major effect on the story. One of those just being which faction you help more along the way. Because like we mentioned, there are certain things you can do around the map. Uh, they're, I think, primarily water treatment plants and power plants. Whenever you complete the activity at one of those, it lets you assign that portion of the city to one of the two factions. The ending doesn't really have much weight to it because of that. It feels like I just made all the right decisions and I got the best the, the best ending without doing like any side quests. It just didn't really feel earned. The ending, beyond just lacking weight, it's also kind of lame. Pretty generic, like your character has to decide between sacrificing himself or sacrificing the city. You fight the same guy three times, two of which he has the exact same amount of health and the same like moves and attacks that he does. So... It really begs the question of why they made me do this fight twice. It's not very fun. Kind of feels like it wraps up too quickly as well. Eh, I don't know. There's not really too, too much to say about the ending without kind of getting into spoilers. Well, how about this? I'm going to go ahead and and give my final thoughts. And if if there's anything crazy that jumps out that either you feel like we've missed, just stop me and we'll go from there. <laughs> I think that the biggest way to summarize everything we've said about this game is just to say that it's generic and falls into so many of the holes that big open world games normally do. It's just, the story's cliche, a lot of the stuff just doesn't feel useful or like it actually is relevant to what you're doing. And even though getting around the world like feels really cool and you can do some really interesting stuff with the parkour systems, 
the fact that you so often have to come to a complete stop to smack around some zombies or some thugs or whatever in a super grating combat system was just not doing it for me. Jackson, why don't you give us your final thoughts? Dying Light 2 has a lot of problems. Other than the story and the combat... Two minor parts of the game. <laughs> that's a good that's a good chunk. Um actually I wouldn't even say the combat. Just other than the story Wait, wait, wait. You're saying you think the the combat's better than the story? Yes, I'm not saying it's good. Uh, I think the story is really the only thing that is even that's not really that bad now I think about it. I think the, the story is serviceable. Is... I think the combat is bad. The problem with this game is that everything is mediocre. I mean, the parkour isn't mediocre, though. Well, mo- most stuff is mediocre. The combat is between bad and mediocre. The story is mediocre. The characters are mediocre. <laughs> the world and parkour, um, I think those are good. I don't think either of them are really that great, but... They're they're definitely not mediocre. I I feel like this game just has all the problems of most open world games, that there's just too much non-essential stuff to do around the map, and there's too many side quests that don't matter. Yeah, I would well, almost say the that doesn't the, matter. The parkour in the game is good enough to play it almost. Like I do think that moving around the city is a lot of fun, uh, especially once you get to that second map and you start seeing things like an actual place to use your wall running ability. It's like that with a lot of the traversal abilities. The The first map is made so you can get around it without having those, I suppose. And, you know, you spend enough time there that you can have all those fun abilities and figure out how to use them with no stakes because if you fall off the building, you'll be fine most likely. And then the second map is actually fun to move around because it's not an extended tutorial. Like I said, it's just, it's an overall mediocre game. There's, not much that I think is very bad, and there's not much that I think excels. Actually, there's nothing that I think excels. Uh, there's not much that I think is good. <laughs> and, like, I still want to give this game a chance. I want to finish the campaign, because it's... Like, I like playing it again. It's just, it's not something I see myself coming back to or doing any of the extra open-world stuff that's packed in there. I also don't see myself ever coming back to do, like, side missions stuff like that um the only thing i could ever see myself coming back for is free story dlc but definitely not paid story dlc yeah i get that i'm I'm a little bit more positive i mean like i said i think the story is i mean it's not great but it is at least like serviceable it does have a lot of like really annoying cliches but i i think there are some interesting missions mixed in as well as some interesting characters um like I, I think Lawan and Hakon are both like fairly interesting, deep, They're deeper characters. They're basically the only characters that I like. <laughs> uh, I I like Jack Matt, the leader of the Peacekeepers. Mm, yeah, I've only met him once, so don't really have much to go off with him. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't like me because I, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of fascism. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> like there, there are definitely some shining characters that stick out from how bland and boring most of the other characters are. I did find myself, there's this whole thing about your character's looking for his sister the whole time that you're, you know, running around the city. Like, that's his main motivation. 
And every time it would go to a flashback of him at the hospital with his sister when they were being experimented on, I was just like, oh my god, I don't care. I just wanted it to be over. I honestly would forget that the whole, like, story of this game was finding his sister. How? He brings it up constantly. Literally everyone he runs into, he's like, have you seen my sister? Because you know when you're living life on the run, you just tell everyone who you are and what you're doing? And there's yeah. th- this is something I, I should have brought up when I was talking about the choice system. There are so many opportunities in the game, and I'm going to go ahead and just get into a spoiler right here. There are so many opportunities in the game where when you're talking to people, it's like, do you want to tell them you're looking for your sister or do you want to lie and you know not give away all that information? It doesn't matter. I told literally everyone about my sister. And also, it constantly asks you, people will offer you like a drink. Every time I said yes, it never mattered. Why? Seems like as good a place of any, uh, as any to end this discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This one's already gone longer than I anticipated. So, let's go ahead and pull the plug. Jackson, what else have you been into? Two main things I've been up to recently, since February has decided to be when all the games come out. Uh, One, Forza Horizon. uh, Wait. (laughs) No, don't talk about that. We're doing a whole episode about that. Don't talk about that. No, I'm not gonna talk in depth about it. I also just—I don't know why I just called it Forza Horizon. No, I did not mean to do that. <laughs> I've, I've been doing the same thing pretty much since I started um, playing. But it. Horizon Forbidden West is out. Uh, haven't spent much time with it yet because I've been a little busy. But so far, it does everything better than the first game. Really enjoying that. Looking forward to playing more of that. Then also, yesterday, Destiny Two Witch Queen came out. Again, not going to get in depth about this because we're going to review it too. Um, I haven't been able to play much of it since it just came out yesterday. Little bit I have played. Big step of previous DLCs since it's more story uh, centric and not um, go kill 35 Fallen without being defeated in this random zone on Europa. So that's a big plus. But other than those things, I haven't been up to much. So cutting my my segment here early uh and send it over to jason um i don't really have too too much to talk about uh took a trip out of town i had a good time but i don't want to go into that uh (laughs) (laughs) just wanted to bring it up i had a good time on my trip out of town thank you for asking listeners beyond that though and i might be stepping on jordan's toes here uh, I saw, I watched the new series Murderville on Netflix. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> which is very funny because the whole idea behind the show is that it is a murder mystery comedy series where everybody has a script except for whoever the guest star is for the episode. It's making fun of those cop procedurals like your CSIs and NCISs and everything that takes place in chicago (laughs) yeah it it stars will arnett all of the people that are actually like a part of the main cast has a script and it's kind of like a murder mystery dinner uh show yeah a murder mystery dinner show but it's a tv show and the only person who doesn't have a script (laughs) and is just completely improvising is the guest star the first few episodes have some of the highlights are Conan O'Brien, Marshawn Lynch, Kumail Nanjiani, Annie Murphy. Actually, you know what? They're all good. Sharon Stone's on there, they too. They are all good. 
uh, and Ken Jeong, yeah. which I haven't seen his episode. Uh, I'm very excited to watch that. It's it's such a good show. It's so funny, and it's it's such a good premise that is like I, I wrote the show off at first because it just didn't seem like my kind of thing. I thought it was just a sitcom making fun of like those types of cop procedurals, which I just didn't. I wasn't that compelled to watch. Mm-hmm. But after I just heard someone talking about what was happening in the show, it's like the quickest I've ever been just completely sold on an idea before. Yeah, <laughs> like everything about it is so smart. They, they just go out of their way to put these guest stars in these really uncomfortable situations that they have to like improv their way out of all while staying in the framework of being a character in a cop procedural. And it's just, it's so good. Oh, but I didn't really mention the whole thing is that the guest star has to determine who out of three suspects the murderer was. And then at the end of the show, like, the police chief comes out and tells them whether they're right or not and explains, like, what evidence was left around or things that the suspect said that should have given it away to the person. It's genius. It's very funny. Yeah. I'm not saying uh, which, which actor, but on one of the episodes, someone did not get it right who the murderer was and so far that is my favorite moment of the whole show <laughs> i thought marshawn yeah. lynch's episode was probably the funniest somehow just because that, like, yeah that's my favorite so far he very clearly doesn't have like any experience acting but he committed to but it. he commits <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like he goes hard I, I think Kamel Nanjani's is my favorite because even though like he is an improviser by trade, he like he goes so much further with it than most of the others do. Like he is so much more willing to just say and do things that put him in compromising positions. I think than, a big like, part of that was Will Arnett yeah. trying to make him look as stupid as possible. Yeah, yeah, it it was so good. It it's so good. Like there there are certainly some episodes that are like significantly better than others. But, like, every episode still has some, like, genuinely hilarious moments in it. Unfortunately, there are only six episodes, and who knows how long it'll take us to get more. But it's it's so good. It's based on a UK show that I'm absolutely going to be watching in the near future. Murder in Successville. Yeah, that show I'll absolutely be watching in the near future. I've heard there's also, like, a really interesting wrinkle with that one where all of the people in the town are celebrities. <laughs> it's not just, like random actors so that could be that could be uh, that could be really interesting even if i don't recognize a lot of them because i'm sure they're like minor actors like minor celebrities <sighs> yeah murderville's so good it's it's the hardest i've laughed at a tv show possibly ever but definitely in a very long time but that's about the only thing that i've been into other than stuff we are going to be reviewing on future episodes of the podcast that i won't get into yeah so. uh, it's just a shame how busy february is for game releases it makes no sense it's this busy it's because everything got delayed everything was supposed to be september last year like literally in a in a seven day time frame we got two of the biggest releases that are going to be coming this year and an expansion to a game that's been you know long awaited so like just the fact this is all happening in one week time frame is crazy like we're not going to be reviewing Destiny for like six weeks because we're not going to have anywhere else to put it. <laughs> also, granted, it takes a while. You want to yeah. give it a lot of time. So, honestly, I'm not even sure how we're going to talk about Elden Ring <laughs> as long as it is and as soon as it is coming. So, well, what next? Next week is Horizon. Yeah, I'm not doing Horizon. So, yeah, 
What yep. are you doing? Sifu? Yeah, I'm, I'm playing Sifu, and I'm already halfway yeah. through it, so hopefully I'll have a lot more time nice. for Elden Ring. Next series is going to be a little bit different. You're getting a main course of Horizon Forbidden West with like a healthy side of Sifu. <laughs> so, if you'd like to get involved with Totally Biased Media, we have a multitude of ways you can do it. You can find us on Twitter, at TBMcast, on Instagram, at Totally Biased Media. You can check out our Twitch channel, where we stream at least once every other week. And that's twitch.tv slash totallybiasedmedia. You can send us an email with your reviews or suggestions or really anything you want to say about the show. We're happy to hear it. You can send that to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. But I think that just about does it for another episode of Totally Biased Media. I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. And you just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.